Hello and welcome back to Upilile, the podcast. You're chilling here with Uzama Wushimlife. I'm super, super excited to be recording this. As always, as always, I feel like I'm excited with every episode that I get to record. I thank you guys for the people who are listening to this for the first time, people who are returning listeners who have been with me from day one. I appreciate you guys and appreciate your time and the choice to be here right now. Thank you. So today I'll be talking about one of my favorite topics of conversation, and that is grief and loss. Now, I feel like I say it's my favorite conversation for every single episode. I guess it's because I really love speaking about things that are important to me as an individual. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast from day one, you've heard me share about how I've lost or the representation of my tattoo on my hand that I've lost three of my siblings. I'm the middle of five children and my two older brothers have passed on and my sister who follows me has passed on as well. And then I have my little brother who's alive and well. So why I think it is so important that we are able to deal with loss and to have these conversations is because during my years of loss and where I've lost my siblings, I've lost other family members. I remember I had a conversation with my friend and she was like, Zama, I hope this is a good year for your family and I hope no one like no one passes on because it it had been happening that much and I've lost a person for every single year I've been in UK in UKZN. So with that much loss, I think I began to be numb to the experience of loss, to the feeling of loss. So much so I'm numb to the feeling of loss because okay, loss is not just in the context of someone passing on, but even when you lose someone, lose a friend, lose whoever. I've become so numb to it. And what, how that, that ended up translating into my life is that I've had such a difficult, such a hard time relating, connecting to my younger brother. And it was when I was having a conversation with one of my friends that I realized that I was having such a hard time because I wasn't dealing with the loss of my, of, of, really processing and going through the motions of losing my other siblings so I I some part of me didn't want to connect with him because it was like what if like he goes and I've already built this relationship with him etc 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 so I had a, a really 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 hard time I think you guys can even hear me talking I have a hard time talking about it as well because it's something that I'm literally still still dealing with to date so I don't want to only share my story. I want to share and have a friend hop onto the podcast as well. And today I will be talking to Unol Tando Ngele. Oh my gosh, guys. Ngazi <laughs> I know such amazing people. And she was one of those people. She was a second year when I was in first year UKZN. And she was one of those people who walked into our room and was literally a big sister from the get-go. So I love her and I appreciate her so much. And I'll have her joining us on this podcast to share with us her experience and how she has dealt with loss in her life. So let's have her added onto this conversation. Hello, Nolitando. Hi, Zamo. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? 
I am. I'm great. I'm great. Okay, so I've been I've been giving our listeners or my listeners, my family, a intro on the conversation that we're going to be having today. So today we'll be talking about grief and about loss. So I've shared my story, and right now I want you to share your story and be vulnerable with us on your experience of loss and who you've lost and how that has affected you. Okay. Um. Well, my experience with loss, uh, it was my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, 2015, I was doing my second year at uh, UK Zidane. And um, I've never looked at, at losing a family member as something that could happen to me. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to happen to my cousins. It used to happen to people around me, you know, my friends and stuff. But I never thought... At one moment, I'd be the one saying, you know, my mom passed away. Mm -hmm. So um, it really hit me hard because growing up, my mom was a sickly person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she'd uh, go in and out of hospital, but she was healthy. It's just that she was, she'd have those, those moments where she'd be a bit weekend and then she'd be admitted at hospital and then come back home, not go to work for some time and come back home. So... Mm -hmm. I always thought that whatever came, God would heal her, she'd come back home. You know, there'd never be a point where, you know, she passed away. So yeah. um, I remember even when she was at hospital during her last days, we used to talk. She'd call me and she'd say, I researched something on YouTube and please check this out for me because she was really into um, finding new things and learning new things. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember those last days, we used to talk caller and then one this one particular day I called her and she didn't answer her phone and I called my dad I was like what's going on and she was like no she's just reacting to the medication but she's going to be fine and mm-hmm. I talked to her she's like yeah but into variety blah 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 and I was like okay so she's going to be fine yeah and then people started calling me mm-hmm. they were like be strong. I'm so sorry. I'm like, why are people calling me? Oh my gosh. Sorry, can I interrupt you? Don't you hate that? I remember when I, when I lost my brother, Naminguez, through like side people, people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I heard. I'm like, you heard what? That's the thing. That's the thing. And I remember I was like so confused because that morning, Bam um, had called me and said, I have to come back home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why am I coming back home? He's like, no, your mom's getting really sick, so you should come back home. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go back home that day. So I'm, during the day, I'm fixing everything, submitting assignments to make sure that when I go back home, everything is fixed academically. And that's mm-hmm. when, like, while I'm attending lectures, people are calling me. And then I just run back to my room and I cry. I remember just sobbing. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor came and she was like, I know what's wrong. And I'm like, she's gone. I know she's gone. And people are telling me. And she was like, it's going to be okay. You're not sure. You don't know that. She was comforting me. And then I was packing my things. And then my my my, my family sent uh, my cousins, my two older cousins, to come and fetch me. And mm-hmm. they sent the most serious people. Mm-hmm. They don't talk a lot. And they were, they were cracking jokes a bit. But 
I, I knew that if I asked them, they weren't going to tell me because yeah. just those kind of brothers, you know, they were just these serious people. So, yeah, we talked, had a bit of small talk the entire way from Durban to Eskawini. And then when I got home, I saw these cars packed outside and mm-hmm. I just knew, oh my goodness. And I just asked Oma Mkuluam because she was standing in front of the, the gate and I was like, where's my mom? And she's like, Ganam, I'm sorry. And I mm. cried. I cried and I was crying and then my dad came and my dad was like, it's going to be okay, calm down, it's going to be fine. And then I was looking for my sister. Yeah. And my sister hid from me. Apparently, when she knew that I was I was getting close to coming home, she went to her room and just hid because she's like, she knows how close I was to my mom and she knows I was just going to cry. She, just, she didn't want to see me yeah. in that state. And then um, I cried that day. And then mm. I just got into this autopilot zone where I'm like, okay, okay, I have to fix things. Okay, okay, we have to make sure that things are together because I feel like um, something I've learned later about my character that I'm a kind of person, I don't want to be in a situation or in a state where I'm not in control of things. Yeah. Or when something has shook me so bad that I didn't expect it because I really felt like the floor was just falling from beneath me, you know, because I've never thought of it that way. And so I always thought when she was sick, she was going to come back home, she was going to be okay. She's going to recover. She's going to be okay. So I always thought that. So I remember that I was just on autopilot the Mm -hmm. entire, those entire two days planning the funeral, actually going to, to the, to a teachers and the staff members and planning the cooking and planning things with my, my older sister. And we were just running around planning and I didn't have time to actually sit and actually digest what's going on the entire mm-hmm. time until the funeral, until I saw the coffin go into the ground mm. and then my mind clicked with the oh she's really, really gone. Mm. And I cried. I cried. And then I was back on autopilot. And then I remember that day, it was on a Saturday, and I told my dad that Sunday, I'm going back to campus. The next day, my dad was like, I'm like, I'm going back to campus. I have to fix school. Because in my mind, I was like, I have to move forward. I have to move forward. I have to get an semblance of control, you know? And so I packed my bags Mm -hmm. and... I said, okay, my dad printed the certificate and gave me everything that I need for tests and all the stuff because I missed some schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And then I packed my bags and everything. He gave me money and he's like, oh, do I want me to drive you to Durban? I was like, I'm going to take the taxis. Dad was like, okay. And I think he saw that he just needs to give me everything that I'm saying. Because mm-hmm. I think he was also right about me because I was also right about him. I was asking him, is everything okay? Are you okay? I think now he was just trying to get things in control. So we just all got into these control modes that we're all in yeah and then um because we never really got time to talk about what's happening mm-hmm. and so i took a taxi and i went back to campus i went back to Durban. i remember my cousins calling me those who would come to fetch me the first time they were like hi botangona how could you take a taxi i was mm-hmm. like, we could have driven you back and i was like no it's fine no, everyone was busy, so I was like, I just wanted to go back to campus. I got back to campus, I got back to my room, and I was alone, and there was no one around. And then I really, really cried. And mm-hmm. then I felt like the weight just sat on me, and that realization that, oh my goodness, she's really, really, really gone. She's and I remember, 
I was just a mess. I was a mess those days, and I locked myself in my room. Yeah. I didn't want to see people. Mm-hmm. And people would come. They'd come to see me. And when they came, I just have this strong face and this strong because I'm always associated. This thing growing up, I've always been just associated with being strong woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Known as just strong woman, you know? People would come and share their problems and their burdens with me. And so I just didn't want to be in that moment of weakness when people saw me weak, you know? But then yeah. the thing is, well, we shouldn't be like, I learned that we shouldn't fear such moments and we shouldn't yeah. hate and run away from moments that leave us weak, you know, because they remind us that we're human. We are human. You know, you're not a woman, you're not Superman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and that's when I just spiraled <laughs> and just got low and low and low i remember i was so depressed um, yeah it was in my academics and i feel like people didn't see that because mm-hmm. i hit it really well i'd go to campus people would greet me people would be like so sorry i heard what happened i'd be like no it's fine and ask me what happened and i talk about it and i just smile and be like be like no what god's gonna come through and i remember Amanda Madala, when they'd call me, mm-hmm. you know, members of the church, my mom's friends, they'd all be like, you'll see the glory of God after this. And in my mind, I was like, what glory? What the hell? <laughs> I was like, what glory is going to come from this situation? Can I disturb pain, you? You know? Yeah. Yes. Can I disturb you? Because I'm listening to your story and I'm hearing so many parts of myself. You know, um, because I think, you know, I lost my brother. I think it was my yeah. third year of university. And you know, and to have to deal with those questions and to have to deal with the phone calls and to have to somewhat act normal because I can relate to that thing of being strong and collecting yourself because exactly. you know you can't be walking around falling apart but I can exactly. I wanna I wanna get get to get back we'll we'll be jumping through this conversation um because obviously I think it's 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 a it's a, an emotional conversation for you it's an emotional conversation for me um so I wanted to ask you, Wuti Ena, what is the best memory you have of your mom? Best memory I have? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> mom was a funny person. She loved laughing. Yeah. And I remember that <laughs> she'd come back to work and she'd always have a story to share with me that something happened at work. And mm-hmm. I remember, so she had this, <laughs> my sister and I were talking about this the other day. She had this hat um, that she used to like to wear. And as a fam, we weren't really happy about these hats because they <laughs> always made her look old, you know. Yeah. So at one point, my dad actually hid one of the hats, you know, and he just threw them up there so she couldn't reach it behind the closet. And so she wore this hat, and because she was a teacher, doesn't mm-hmm. fake. And but it is gross, like uh, it looks like it's gross. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. Every time she used to pass the classes, they like sing the theme song from the show, like, and she'd always get like she'd get annoyed, but she'd laugh, yeah. So, on this one particular day, she wore that hat, and they were writing her exam, and the students were complaining, they were like, I mean, because she was invigilating, yeah, and then she sang the theme song. 
<laughs> and she was laughing at them. And she, I remember she shared the, she, the story with me, and we laughed like the entire day. And I even shared with my sister, and we all just laughed. And so yeah, she was a person who liked laughing, even in, in serious situations. I think I got that from her. We'd be in the most serious of situations at church, maybe. Mm-hmm. I know this is bad, <laughs> but someone would share like fathers pumping, and it'd be like so funny. And then she just look at me in the room. She wouldn't have to say anything. She just look at me, and we just both. <laughs> so she was just that kind of person everyone who knows it just knows that she loved laughing so those are like my fondest memories of her oh that is so beautiful that is that is it's actually making me laugh you know and um, that is so beautiful i want to ask you Uguti, do you have feelings or do you have emotions or things that you wish you'd conversed with her before she passed on. Because I know one of the prominent feelings when you're dealing with loss, a lot of people go through the stage of 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 regret or wishing they had said this or wishing that they had said yeah. that. You know, because I yeah. know sometimes in my reflection time and sometimes Uma in a space where I really, 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 really miss my brother. I, I literally have these thoughts or things where I'm like, I wish he'd known that. So is there anything that you wish your mom had known? Um, I, as you're asking this question, literally the statement came to my mind that um, I used to share that I don't think there's anything that my mom passed away without telling me. Yeah. And because we talk about a lot of things. And I remember there was, there was this one particular year that she was sick and she, was, she had depression. And I was doing my trick. And I used to come back to school and talk with her every day. Yeah. And talk for hours before I'd go to study. And she shared a lot of things, even things that I was like, Mom, that's a bit like. <laughs> that's too much. Yeah. We talk about marriage. We talk about kids. I'm like, Mom, because I was obsessed with getting married at the time. <laughs> and she was warning me. She was like, <laughs> And so I think, yeah, nah. in that time, I think she. She, she used to say, So I think one of the things that I tell her um, that I wish I told her was the fact that I'm actually really scared of getting married. <laughs> and actually yeah. telling her that, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm scared because mm-hmm. I see like the responsibility that comes with it. Like, and yeah. I see what, the, what society says about it. About what the church says about it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not ready for it, and she used to laugh at me saying, "Ah, I was one of my fundies." She has to have all these things, and I think that's one of the things I tell her. Would say, "I." I've rethought it. Bro, at this point, I get kochakile. Like no one is just no one is like thinking about it. So I tell her that like, hey, I'm chachilima, and because she was always like, I'm tired, I'm so chachilima. We have to travel, we have to live life. Yeah, I know, I know. But then, mom, you know, she laughed at me. But then I think she needed to hear that because I'm sure that she was worried about Ibo, Kanyam, chachilima. So yeah, I think that's another thing. Like I think it would be 
I don't, I don't think it would be something like serious. It would be a funny conversation, yeah. Exactly, it would be like a fun, funny conversation because that's like, that's the conversations we'd have, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be funny. Yeah, because we, we, we didn't, when we had like serious talks, they were usually caused by like circumstances if I'd done something wrong. Yeah. Which I learned later in life that was not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but Wootsie, every time I have a serious talk, it's because she had to remind me about something or repeat me about something. But we could actually have serious talks mm-hmm. randomly about anything, you mm-hmm. know. So I've always associated seriousness with me doing something wrong. Yeah. So, I think that what I'd want with her would be just a fun moments of just laughter. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um. Can I ask you a question? Because this is sometimes something that I sometimes do. Do you ever write your mom letters, like about where you are now? What are you doing? Well, obviously, I feel like we all believe that she's an angel and she can still see you. But do you ever <laughs> just tell her what are you doing? What are you up to? Um. No, mm-hmm. and um, I think here's the I think we all have one thing I've learned that we all deal with with grief differently. Yes, and we all have our different coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. We all have our different ways that we develop to just to heal. Can you share with us what do you do? Um. With me at first, I used to keep her diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I collected. Her, I had her, my mom used to write a lot of diaries, so I remember I had her diaries, and I used to read like her thoughts. And I realized she was a very wise, wise woman, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I used to read her thoughts. I used to read things that she shared, and I used to, as I was reading. I learned that yes, we are so similar in some aspects, and mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about those similarities a lot. Yeah. And. I think those helped me in a way, but what they also did was they I always had like this this hope, this false hope, I don't know why, that um that maybe you should come back again. I don't know, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had those thoughts in my mind, even in my dreams, you know, I used to dream that she didn't pass away and for a couple of months, like after after her passing away, I used to dream that she was fine and I'd wake up in the morning having the feeling having that feeling that She's alive, but then I'd be like, oh, you know, yeah. passed on. So then I learned to go to maybe me keeping the diaries and me reading these diaries is actually holding me back mm-hmm. from actually trying to let go. So I let go of the diaries and I, and, and then I started talking about her mm-hmm. like a lot. I think that's my another, there was another way of me coping. I used yeah. to talk about her a lot, even with friends and people used to talk about her a lot. And then I realized it, okay, that was the second stage, I think, of co- another way of coping I had. Mm-hmm. And then I also realized that what it did for me, personally, my story, mm-hmm. is that every time a woman came in my life to play or, like, to be a mother figure, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you know, when a woman, mom, darling, I'd have this thing towards them, like, you know, my mom, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that's what happened with me. It's like trying to keep her memory. Yeah. It was holding me back from actually receiving all these other women who were trying to raise me, you know. So I basically so, feel uh, like so I basically feel like you're saying there are stages of coping and what you're doing now might not work then. It might be relevant for a season, right? Exactly. And then exactly. Quick, 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 
you see, I I the way in which it, it hurts you and hinders you from healing. And then you move on to the next thing. And then you do that while it serves you. And then when it's no longer serving you, you move on to the next thing. I definitely, definitely get that. One thing that I did want to ask you is that how do you believe that friends can support each other during like seasons of grief, seasons of loss? Because I've I've experienced like different things, <laughs> you know. I've experienced okay. I've experienced people acting awkward, <laughs> like I, I they don't know what to say. Know what to say. Like, they don't know what to do. I understand, and I, I'm, I'm I feel I feel their heart, and I know what the intention is. But I feel like maybe if we can, I know that grief and everyone deals with it in a different way. But maybe you can share some ways that you feel like would have supported you better in that season from your friends? Um, my friends were very honest with me and I think they could see just right through me. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though I've locked the door and uh, <laughs> yeah. and then knock on my door, insist on coming to sit with me mm-hmm. and insist on me talking and um and I remember my own friend, she was my neighbor, Ulan. Yeah. And Ulan would just come in and we'd just be silent. We wouldn't say anything, we'd just be silent. And we'd, we'd talk. She's like, Do you want to talk? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. She'd be like, Okay. Then we'd just be silent. And I think friendship does play a role, a huge it role. It does. If you have friends who who really want you to heal mm-hmm. who don't force it on you also because you have friends who are like okay this is awkward i don't like awkwardness girl get over this <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then you have friends who are like Ngana, are you okay mm-hmm. and then you have friends who are like really really worried about you overly worried about you <laughs> yeah you know, who are always checking on you always reading signals around you even when you're not even making signals and you're just being you, you yeah know? but friendship does play a huge role and i think my friends played a very big 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 role and they really helped me a lot and they were honest they were honest mm-hmm. and every time i said i'm okay they believed i was okay but they knew i'm gonna come back and say something else totally differently and they were like she's not crazy she's fine mm-hmm. even when i say guys i feel depressed guys this is how i feel be like do you want to talk about it do you want to pray about it do you want to work it up do you want to go out you know yeah so they understood so yeah it does play a huge role and i think um another thing that i learned also is that when a friend is going through something mm-hmm. empathy is empathy. important it you know, is trying to put yourself in their shoes and trying to make sure that you are helping them and whatever you do whatever you say you don't force it on them you mm-hmm. know because I've, I've had moments even me when you know your friend, like your friends are different and their characters are different. Mm-hmm. You have a friend who just does not want to talk about something. And every time you're like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. You actually annoying them. Yeah. So you have to like, you have to does she want to talk about it? And you have friends, she wants to, but she wants you to pry. Yes. And so you need to be patient with those ones. She's 
she gets annoyed. So yeah, it just calls for patience and just understanding your friend. And I think Nakona, it's a development level now with friendship here. Because yeah. The more as you you go through things together as friendship, the more it just cements a friendship here, and the more it's in the sense and cooler even now into understanding each other. So yeah. I love that because Nami, for me, Angfunka manga in my seasons of loss, I think the best people. Who were who were there for me or people? It's it's not even like in Zokumin serious. I remember I used to have a friend. She used to like show up at my door all the time, just to say, "Oh, let's go for a walk." And you guys would have like have like the randomest of randomest conversations. But another thing that I pick up from what you're saying is also having empathy, because sometimes yes, I feel like people do mean well with their questions and they do mean well. In trying to counsel you, but honestly, sometimes people say the stupidest of things. <laughs> <laughs> oh they just sound so you can't, but oh my gosh, if I can, so... if I can say something to people who are listening to this and who have friends who are dealing with things, really think about what you're saying. Like, really think about what you're saying. I'm, <laughs> I am all for support, but like. When, when when I lost my brother, I, I've had someone ask me, like, were you close to him? And in my head, I'm like, wait, I know, what, what, what purpose does that question even serve? So also just having that empathy. So I, I really relate to you when you say have that empathy. Obviously, watch out for what character type of person your friend is. And then you'll know what type of support that they need. And sometimes, guys, just showing up and being there. Like, you guys don't have to have, like, some serious conversation. And also, I think another important thing is that when it is said and done, also check up later on. Because with feelings of grief, some days you are completely fine. Other days you wake up and you miss the living daylights of, uh, like from whoever exactly, has passed on. Exactly. So also giving them that space, you know, you, it, like it's not like a you should have been over it by now type of situation, but days are not the same. Days are different and like coping me- like mechanisms for different days are different. Yes, and just let's go back to the show. I realized something with him. The same way you can't put like a timeline or time limit on how God deals with you yeah. and how God heals you mm-hmm. is the same way you should even perceive it with people. You can't say I'm giving her a week to get over this or I'm giving her a year to get over this, you know? Yeah. It's a process and it it might be even something that becomes a part of your friendship. You know, it might be something yeah. It becomes even part of her character as a person. So the way she adjusts to it now is Linda Lutu gonna have to adjust. Yeah. Linda now she's gonna be there gonna be days when she's moody. You know, maybe towards the day that that person passed on, yeah. she feels a certain way. You know. So Agmel will pressure and Agmel will be irritated about how long it takes. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, the same way the way the same way Nancy we can't be irritated with God on how God takes to heal us or how long God takes to heal us. I think it's the same way we should look at it from even people. Yeah. They can't force it, it's not their fault, you know. It's a process that even Utoluguti now where you want to control and now you want it to be fast but you can't. Yeah. Because it's life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. I think my last question is um 
How do you feel or how do you view the importance of healing together as a family and moving on? Okay. Um, what, what really helped with my, with my family is the fact that um, my dad was, was open with communication in terms of, of, of that aspect of how, how are you doing. Mm-hmm. And so I remember around my, my second year, the third year of her passing, uh, I told her that I'm not okay. I told him that I'm not okay and I think I'm depressed and mm-hmm. I think this is how I feel, this is how I feel. And my dad was like, come home. Mm-hmm. come home and I went home and we actually sat down and we actually talked about these things and um, I think that, pro- that, that that experience or that incident of her passing really brought us together that we discussed things you know we discussed feelings and it's very my, my dad is very um, it's very important for him that he knows that we are okay that mm-hmm. he knows that everything is fine even um, my mom yeah, my dad remarried, and so now it's very important that she knows that we are okay, and mm-hmm. she's very open when we talk about that, that aspect and that part of our lives. And I think that really, really helped us. Wuti. Um, even us coming together, she made room for that. That yeah. when we say, Yes, this is different, I'm, I'm not used to this, you know, the way. The, the, the dynamics of the home, the mm-hmm. dynamics of communication. So there were a lot of new things, you know, with blended families and coming together. There's always changes, you know, that come. But what's important is communication. Yeah. Um, you can't assume that someone is fine because they're laughing and because they're smiling. So assumptions really, really cause miscommunication. Like, oh, she, she's, she's passing her grades. You know, she's, she's doing okay. Mm-hmm. But no, she's not. You know, there's something that's eating them up. And when you give them the platform to talk, a, so as a family, it's really important that you talk about things. And it, the, with, with black families, it's it's really looked upon as like a white thing when you guys come together and actually yeah. talk. <laughs> you want a communication. So look, even our parents didn't grow up with communication. Mm-hmm. When, you look, when you look, when you when you listen to how they talk about their childhood, you realize what he Mm-hmm. When we say, Dad, I need to talk about this. Mom, I need to talk about this, you know? And so what's really important, I think, with parents is is, is, is communication. And with a child, don't think, about it. All right. Now you need to check on your parents. Now you need to sit down with yes. your dad and ask your mom, is she okay? Mm-hmm. Sit down with your dad and ask your dad if it's okay, you know? Because you're the only person who can relate yeah going through because you guys are going through it together i learned like it's important to be healthy in how you deal with things and um yeah yes it brought a scar i have a scar mm-hmm. but i feel like the memory of the scar is different because like we all have scars from pain yeah from hurt from all things but i feel like what's important is when you look at the scar what do you think are you looking at the scar and you're thinking oh my goodness that person hurt me bad i hate him mm-hmm. or are you looking at the scar and you're like my goodness i went through that and look at me now i'm so much better amen you know? so it's like that and i feel yeah it's painful at first it's rewarding towards the end and when you look at yourself and you're like wow i think that experience really really changed me and it's going to change every other person i meet in my life because when they ask me about it i'm just going to shit the way it is so yeah 
Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you said something so important and a huge person that I'd love to send a shout out to. I'd love to send a shout out to your entire family. But I'd also really like to put an emphasis on your your mom, your new mom. Allow me to say your new mom. Your guys, they are amazing people out there. Your mom is amazing. I've, Thank you. I've no, seen how you guys have bonded and it it is so beautiful to watch. It is such a rare thing. So kudos to her, Siabonga. Thank you so much for joining me on this conversation. I am so grateful. I'm so appreciative to have you be vulnerable with us and let us in on your journey and let in people you don't even know. I am so grateful. And it's going to serve its purpose that every single person who hears about you or hears from you is strengthened by what you've been through. And thank you so much for having me and inviting me on your show and just uh, sharing my story and my truth. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. And as we've heard from Utando herself, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to her journey. I hope you guys have learned something from it. And I hope that we all continue to heal and we all continue to grow um stay tuned to into upilile the podcast and send your feedback share it with your friends have a conversation with your friends and check in on how you can better support them and help 